live and let die. So first of all, here's what I feel like. The first thing that I'll say is, I can't believe that this movie was as successful as it was. It was a success. It was a box office success. People loved this movie at the time. People loved it. Now, I can say from having watched the first three Roger Moore films now, uh, and I'm talking about in recent memory. I've seen them right. all as a, as a kid or whatever, but I'm right. talking about now. And, and all, of, all of the movies that, that uh, came before it. What is the third one? The first this, this week's is Live and Let Die. Next week is The Man with the Golden Gun. And then what's the next one? Uh, the Spy Who Loved Me. Oh, that's a good one. Okay. Now, when you, when you, when you think about this, you say, I, I, it feels, on the one hand, it feels like Roger Moore walked into, if you're looking at this now and didn't know that the movie was successful, you would say he walked into a bomb. I mean, he, he didn't know what he was in for, and he showed up and got the crappiest movie thrown at him and he just was doing his best to to keep it straight and then you realize this thing was a success you're like man so first of all by far the most racist film i've seen in a recent memory <laughs> is it really though i don't know i can't tell if it's is it racist well it's like a black exploitation film but so seemed to i mean i don't know was it racist in 19 right. whatever the year was in 73 well, what's what do you think is racist about it? it is it, at the very oh, I think the least you could say racist. about it is is that it is to modernize very very curious racially. Very. It, it's certainly unusual well, first by, of all, by today's standards. The only people who are bad in the movie, the only evil people, all the villains, all black, and all the blacks are villains. Yes. No. No. There's a CIA guy. Well, the guy there? who rescued oh, okay, him. Okay. Yeah. One guy. Right, because even the girl who's Rosie the, who's is, the he's the most straight laced of all the the black guys anyway. Right, and Rosie the, the yeah Rosie's bad. Double Cross is oh no, Quarrel's not bad. Well, yeah, Quarrel well Quarrel Junior. Yeah, but I don't understand. The he's the man he sh- who shares his hairbrush. I don't get it though. What does that even mean? <laughs> what does that mean? This, this weird, is the man with my shirt. I don't shirt, know. Right? Meet the man who shares. I have a lot of. I have a, took notes. I have a lot of quotes. Let me throw some. Is that the? Is that the? Is that have something to do with that brush that he was clicking buttons on? I don't understand what he he checks I, into the hotel room. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he's first thing he does is he scopes the room for bugs, which James, you know, that's a, yeah, very. T- I do that now. I do that when I I do that now when I check into a hotel room. Uh, he scopes the room for bugs. He finds a couple. But then he goes over to the window and he has a brush and he's he, he has a little antenna on it and he starts clicking buttons. I, what the hell is he doing there? Ah, uh, okay. So here's the thing. First of all, there were two lights on the brush. One of them red, and then there was another one beneath it. Right. You would think that let's. Here's what I'm saying. Have you ever used a, a, a one of those electric stud finders to find the wall yes. stud? Or so? Okay. There's two lights on that. One or, or more. Off, by the way, I'm, of course you do. The first light is on, and the other light is I found the stud. In this case, I found John Gruber. So you would think the second light would turn on. It never turns on. Nothing happens. He's just pointing it at things, running it over things. I'm guessing it's supposed to be a bug detector. But no, no, it, he's got two gadgets though. He's got one as a bug detector, and, and the, the other, other one is. is I is thought they were like connected or something. No, it, it, and it was like doesn't make any sense. Uh, I I can't help but think, and maybe people can help me out. I don't know. I've got the Blu-ray for this one, so I, I haven't watched the extras. I should look. Maybe it's on there, but maybe, maybe someone in the audience can help. Maybe there's another scene. I can't help but feel – the only thing I can think of is that he's signaling to quarrel, and that is hmm. – that's what he means. Because then there's the line on the boat when he says, let me introduce you to the man with whom I share my hairbrush. And it, but it doesn't really make any sense. And quite frankly, it doesn't really look like quarrel combs his hair. <laughs> oh man no but, i don't know i don't you know, know what, what this is means. one of those things too the the movie is is i think I, I did read this book but i read it like last summer so i've already forgotten some of it but it is it's fairly close to the original book they're uh, saying they're in 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 the uh chat in room. the chat room they're saying the second one was a morse code thing yeah but i think and i think it was the quarrel yeah, that's what they're saying. It was Morse right. code to quarrel for sure, and I didn't. Right. I didn't pick up on that. Maybe that I should have, but I was no, like, "What was I don't. I, I feel like the filmmaking was faulty, though. I mean, I feel like you've got to show who that you know. You got to show them. 
yeah, as people are saying that he's using it to. But they never show Quarrel getting the signals, you know. No, that's the thing. They don't. Very, they don't even show anything. Guy Hamilton, I don't think, is a very good director. Mm. Quite. Um, well, I'm sure he would say, well, "Where's your movie?" Uh, no, it's coming. It's in the works. Um, in the in the chat room, they point out they're saying they love the uh, the opening with the espresso machine, and Q says, "Is that all it does?" I had that in my notes to mention. I mean, it's so weird. It's like. It it just there's such a weird. I think there's things that are that are being lost in translation between 1973 and and 2011. Okay, well, what do you think is racist about it, other than the fact that the bad guys are all black and all? Because that's not enough. Well, how about how about all of the over exaggerated, uh, stereotypical, you know, uh, black people doing voodoo stuff and dancing right. around naked and wearing weird makeup and I mean, it was just it was. <sighs> It was embarrassing. Know, though, but who? Yeah, I don't know though. But isn't that? Let, who, let me let me put it this way: If you and I sat down and penned this script, you and I wrote this script with it's same as it is now, maybe a couple updates, but all the stuff with the with the the things are the same. Do you think we could submit this to a Hollywood and and they would say uh, there's a little bit black stereotyping here? Maybe we could have one white guy being a bad person or something. Well, I, you know, obviously wouldn't, you know, you couldn't do it today. Like and like that. the KKK reference of the, you know, it's just weird. It's just weird, man. Now, here's one thing I will tell you that uh, uh, J.W. Pepper. Who's J.W. Pepper? He's a sheriff. Did you not watch that oh, far? Oh, I didn't get, you know what? I, I didn't get that far yet, but yeah. I know well, you remember you him. I and he was, in the, he was in a golden gun uh, too. Right. Uh, okay. Now, he's actually accurate. That's very much, I mean, he could be in Florida. He could be, that's that's completely 100% accurate. And that's how the, he, he's, those guys still are today, a lot of them. I thought he was spot on. People think he's a caricature. I've met guys like that. They live near me. I, I don't know. I'm just not sure. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's obviously a very 1972 or 73 movie. Uh, you know, and, and clearly they're riffing off the exploitation genre in some ways but you're saying you don't think it was a it was not you're saying it was not a racist film it was just a film of its time right i don't really think it was racist i don't think anything in it is as racist as that scene in or that line in dr no the first one where bond where bond tells quarrel to fetch his slippers fetch my slippers yeah i that to me is racist yeah where you're telling the black guy and you use the word fetch yeah um but but at the time, you can tell though the way it came off in 1962 was that they didn't even think about it. Yeah, I, I can go along with that. I definitely, don't think that definitely a like period film. Definitely a black exploitation film. And for though. example, Bond Bond doesn't even hesitate to to bang Rosie. No, it's true. Right, it's true. I mean, and isn't that wasn't that something for 1972? Isn't that almost anti-racist? I, see, but here's you something know? interesting: they really didn't show very much of it. No, they didn't. Oh. Like the, it was obvious what was going on, but they didn't right. they didn't push the limit too far. Right. So just a few notes that I had. Felix Leiter is now played by you could have been just any generic cop in a seventies cop show. Now yeah. he's, he's he's been reduced from being potentially the the U.S. equivalent of Bond to right. now being kind of like just a bad cop. Right, bumbling. That guy. He, he played up. Felix Leiter in a bunch of movies, and you'll see him again. Remember Terrible. him? He's in. He's Felix Leiter in one of the Timothy Dalton movies, and he's kind of got a big role in it mm. later on. But uh, he he's Felix Leiter for a while. He's not bad. Yeah, but he's just he looks like he looks like you know the the beat cop who's right. turned detective. He's not cool though. Yeah, right? he's not cool. Not Jack Lord. No, and he's not that guy from. Uh, which is the one where there was a guy who was the big time they cast a guy along the lines of Jack Lord. It was a it was Thunderball mm-hmm. when it, when he was flying the helicopter. The guy flying the helicopter he was kind of a cool looking guy, big yeah. tall guy with sunglasses yeah. all the time. Yeah. Here's the thing. Here's here's the bottom line for casting a Felix Leiter in a Bond movie. Got to put him in sunglasses. Right, Felix Leiter has got to be wearing sunglasses. Yeah, if he's not that. wearing sunglasses, you've already you've already made a mistake. Yeah, I, I I didn't I didn't like this guy a lot. Like I said, I mean, I'm not saying I'm not saying he's bad either, but I, he wasn't great. Right, he's right down the middle. 
he's not horrible, but he's definitely not cool. He's not like that guy in Goldfinger, the old man. <laughs> Jesus. That's terrible. Uh, but, you know, funny enough, Goldfinger was Guy Hamilton's first uh, Bond movie. And all, and again, that's the one that was with all the mismatched footage. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, even even as an old dude, I, I really think he's a bad director. I mean, I really do. I think like it, you know, the guy directed what did he? And he did Diamonds Are Forever too. But even as an old dude, that that Felix, the guy who played him there, is still believable as a, a CIA yeah. guy. Yeah, he's kind of cool. <laughs> he there, when Bond is in that car accident uh, early oh, on, so stupid. Such a bad movie. I mean, this was really almost like he should have been hurt bad, though. Yeah, he's fine. He's he just got steps no seatbelt on, and he's like in like the worst possible posture you could be in to be in a car accident, <laughs> and then the thing just like slams into a thing, and he's and he's totally fine. Yeah, he's fine. Not even shaken up a little bit. Not unconscious. That's a that's a good scene, though. Remember when, the, when we were kids? That's and you what know, if a did. car like that pulls up next to you, you, you got to worry about it. <laughs> You've got to worry about it. And I'm guessing, I'm guessing the reason that they shot, they shot that guy, the driver, instead of Bond is because Bond's window was rolled up? I don't know. Because wouldn't you well, just want to well, shoot Bond? So, but maybe you would think, though, that you could – if you shoot this driver and knock him out, then he's, at that high speed, you're obviously going to kill both Maybe, people. but wouldn't it have seemed like a better plan to have a dude sitting in the back seat of the white pimp no, mobile? How, but how did they even know? How did they yeah, know? Oh, no, because, because the villains in this movie, they know where Bond is at all times. These constantly right. – even, even if it seems impossible, they've always got a man there with a the walkie-talkie. Right. He's walking into the store right now, you know, and and that's it. Every single, and every they're all like they're all in town, is it, yeah. Is it the shoe, every shoe shine guy is is got a walkie talkie and a shoe shine box, and they've all got some kind of wireless communication system, and they're all very like ah, he's heading your way now. They're very into it, you know. Yeah, it's not discreet at all. Right. It's not discreet. I just I'm shoe I'm shining your shoes, but hold on while I pull this walkie talkie out of my box, right. and alert my boss that you're yeah. So the movie opens. Terrible. The whole, the whole opening is it's you see the three guys getting killed. Uh, no Bond. No Bond in the opening. Yeah. Was there ever an opening without Bond? I think there has been, but no. I'll say no. I'll say that was unusual. It struck me as unusual at the time, but right. I'm not and it's, positive. And, and you have to remember too. I think in context, like think about it from the producer's standpoint, right? They've tried replacing Connery once before and it was a disaster. It was a box office, you know, it was a bad movie and objectively a bad movie and it did poorly at the box office. Um, So they've got to replace him again. So there's a lot of pressure and I think that – you know, I think they had to had to pull it off, and I think it's I think it's a curious move not to even show him in the whole opening. Kind of works though. Well, maybe, and the song is great. It's it might very be very swanky. Yeah, big living let dies. I mean, it's a classic. Very, it's big. It's a big right? music. And, I, I still a, think of the Guns N' Roses version, though. Admittedly, it just shows that it's a good song now that it can stand up to a a, a different cover. You know, good songs should definitely have. Good cover. People are asking if the song was written for the film. It was. Yes. Was written for the film. Yeah. And it sticks. The, the film sticks pretty closely to the Ian Fleming novel. I mean, at least by the standards of the Bond movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd read that. I'd read that it was relatively consistent. Right. Uh, but what's interesting, though, is that it was one of the first Bond novels. I'm not quite sure. I guess we could. Right. It, it comes out. It's out of order. Way out of order, yeah. and that's why uh, Quarrel is still alive. Quarrel got killed in the first Bond movie, right. Doctor No, eleven years or twelve years before this movie was made. And there's there's Quarrel, right? Well, they said Quarrel Junior, though. Yeah, so but he's, he's old. He's just clearly the same guy. Yeah, I guess maybe the Junior was. I thought to, I thought the Junior implied that this is his son. It certainly didn't look like his son. No. Uh, it wasn't the same actor, though. No, no, it wasn't the same actor. So, Mr. Big, the whole time, that mask is so bad. Who's going to wear a mask, though? I mean, like most of the time. Like, yeah, that seems so preposterous to me. I think that, and I think that's different from the... And then when he pulls off, he pulls off the mask, he, like, grabs the nose and pulls it. 
It's actually the second it's weird. the second Bond novel. No kidding. Yeah, it was right after Casino Royale. No, nobody cuts and runs on Sheriff J.W. Pepper. You know what? It's funny because that, I guess it's a caricature, but it, it, it's not. I, no, I'm telling you, there's people like that here. Yeah, I believe it. But it's funny because if I didn't know better, I would have thought that it came after Smokey and the Bandit, not before. Yeah. Well, it, if any, if it's any indication that this is where a big part of the Smokey and the Bandit must come from. Right. But it feels the same. Because it does seem like, like I think one of the recurring themes of all of the the Roger Moore Bond movies is they they got a little reactionary where it was like, mm. I mean, the ultimate has to be Moonaker, where all is big, and then the next uh, Bond movie, he's, he's in outer space flying a spaceship with laser guns. Yeah, you know, coincidentally, you know, two years after Star Wars came out, <laughs> uh, and I would have thought in hindsight that 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 Rube Sheriff guy would have been. Uh, after smoking a bandit, but in fact he's not. It's before. What else? So I I think Roger Moore is good. No, I actually I'm he liking is. him and more than I You know what? The I other thought, thing yeah. too. Here's the other thing too is if I didn't know, and this is these are these movies, and you and I have talked about this repeatedly. The Roger Moore movies were the Bond movies when when we were kids, and uh, we I mean we were you know like zero or or infants when this one came out, but. But they were still like, you know, when we hit like seven, eight, nine, ten years old, and you could start watching these movies, and they were on reruns and stuff like that. Um, I never knew what order they came in, right? Like you just, you know, as a kid, you don't know which one was nineteen seventy three and which one was nineteen seventy four right. and which one was nineteen. They were just all the seventies, you know, and it and it didn't really seem to matter which order you watched them in. Um, and I think even knowing that this is his first one, it doesn't feel like it's his first one. Feels like he was already very, very comfortable. Yeah, and in the role, like he, you know, he's definitely not the same guy that Connery was. He definitely has his own take on the character, but he's he is the guy. Yeah, and, he, and he knows it, and he's comfortable in it. He's comfortable in the role. They played it different. They didn't, and there was no, there was no. I felt like connection. They weren't trying to guy get a guy who was like Connery. Right. They were saying we've got a new actor, is a new take on the role, and they let him do it his way. It seemed right. like, and uh, and I don't know. I guess we should. I should do some reading on it. And I know there's a lot of stuff about it, but uh, you know, and I think he he was very clear, Roger Moore, that he did not want. He was going to do James Bond. He was not going to do Sean Connery. Connery yeah. And he was sensitive to it. You know. Uh, what do you think? Of, what do you think of Jane Seymour's Solitaire? Oh, she's great. So good. Classic Bond. Best. Best so far. Best could, so far. We're potentially the worst villain in Bond history. Certainly the worst villain in, of of the Roger Moore era. So bad. But Jane Jane Seymour was great. I yeah. totally forgot she was in this movie, and I was like, wow. She's nice looking now, but I mean, you know, back then she was a, must have been a, a knockout. Then you got the uh, the Seven Up guy. Yeah. I totally forgot the Seven Up guy it, was in is this. It, is it? I was going to ask. Yeah, if it's it him. Was the Seven Up guy? Oh yeah, it's a or Seven Up it just, guy. Just looks like him. No, it's him. Uh, no, it's totally him. Boy, the the for as good as the Jeffrey theme song Jeffrey is. Holder. It's his name. Yeah. The theme song, so good. The the actual scoring throughout the film, so bad. <sighs> so corny. It's such terrible music. Oh, like just, just the instrumental theme music, like like oh like the scene where he's uh having he's uh screwing uh Rosie yeah. outside yeah. right before she gets killed. It, the music is so bad, it sounds like a like an episode of a a, a, a soap opera from the seven. It doesn't yeah. sound like a movie. It just sounds like a TV show. It's yeah, so there bad. was so much I remember. And that's, you actually make a great point. That's is in my notes too, which is that so much about this felt like a 1970s TV show as opposed to a movie. There was yeah. so much TV, that TV feeling uh, about it. I mean, even though it was in HD widescreen, it still felt like a TV show from that time yeah. period. Like uh, I was ready for the you know commercial break to come in. It, was re- it really did feel like a TV show. Yeah. One of the things I heard, I, I remember seeing this somewhere, was that uh, 
Roger Moore as part of the look. I'm not playing Sean Connery. Is that, uh, and I don't know how much of it was his demands and how much of it was just a sign of the times. That uh, I forget which movie you have to wait till until he first gets a martini. I think it's The Spy Who Loved Me. Okay, uh, and he doesn't even order it. The Russian spy does. Um, but oh we'll no, no, it. you're you're th- yeah. We're getting ahead of ourselves here, but right. if, 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 if that's actually in yeah, that is the spy who loved me. Right. That's right, and uh, she and orders it. So it's his third, his third movie in the role before he even has a martini. Right, oh. his signature drink, Roger Moore's signature drink, is Bollinger champagne. Um, you know that's what he orders when he gets to the hotel room, um, and then when he's in the uh, fillet of sole in Harlem, he orders mm-hmm. uh, bourbon and bourbon and soda or bourbon and water. Yeah. Um, but there's another site. There's a great site. I don't know. Have we linked to this before? Um, Which one? It is a site. This is such a fab. This is one of those things where this is why the internet is so great. Hold on. I've got the link. It is a, uh, it is a site where a guy has uh, listed every single drink James Bond has ever oh, had. Oh, no kidding. That's awesome. Wait, yeah, we got to get that in the show notes. People have asked, while, while you're looking this up, people are say, where are the show notes? How can I get the show notes? Let me ex- explain this again. If if you go to the website, 5x5.tv slash talk show, all the episodes are there. You pick the one you want, and there are going to be links right there. You can also subscribe to the RSS feed with a regular RSS feeder, not just iTunes. It won't download the attachments by default, and we put all of the show notes in there as yeah. well. So if you, you guys, if you don't have the show notes, you're shame on you. You're missing out. You do need them. Where I don't even understand in Skype, how the hell did, where, how do I get a chat? Are you using the new five? Yeah. I got to switch back to the old one. I, I, I'm, I'm done with this thing. I don't even know how to chat. How do I chat? I want to it's, paste. It's, it's, I can't even, it's the interface is so obtuse. I can't Here even explain I am it. talking to you. I have this big giant 700 pixel thing. And all it is, is, is just telling me I have a call. Mm-hmm. I can't tell. I'm, I'm going to iChat. Go to iChat, and there's also another. Uh, there's a you can. There, I have a link for you to get the older I'm version. I'm so done of Skype, with this. God, I'm they have the best audio quality. Hey, are you on the? Uh... Yeah, I'm on iChat. Sure, I don't see you on there. Yeah, I'm... yeah, I don't see you. Oh, there you are. There he is. Now oh. I see. Just give me the link. We'll get in the show notes. All right, here we go. Uh, but the truth is. Oh, that's why it's hard to do. That's it, that that it's because the site is actually no longer even available. The ah, site is off the web, and, and so my bookmarked is from the archive webarchive.org. Well, we'll have to we'll have to mirror it or something. I'll put yeah, up we're gonna a, have to mirror. Put it. up a page. Atomic, uh, atomic martinis. Right, uh, but the truth is, I think even in the novels, Bond's most common drink is a bourbon and soda or a bourbon and uh, branch. Branches, it's just a fancy way of saying water. Yeah, no, it's not loading for me, but you can find it. You got if you once you have that. The, the, oh, there it is. No, it came up. All right, sake comes in third. Bourbon whiskey's the the biggest. Champagne is ahead of the martini. So the martini is actually only like. Uh, Fifth or sixth in the list. Huh. Now these are from the novels, I think, not from the films. Although there's a separate link over there for the films. But anyway, I do. I, I've. I and and who knows? It might be a sign of the times that you know the, the whole martini culture uh, was sort of a '60s thing, you know, and then in the '70s the cocktail culture sort of fell out of favor, and, right. and champagne was maybe a little bit more popular. Um. But I don't know. It's just, to me, it's it's just like an interesting detail. It just makes it seem like he's a different guy. I, I, it's like somehow with this movie, for all of its flaws, and it is you know, it's clearly not a great movie. Uh, it did the most important thing is that it established Roger Moore as James Bond. You knew James Bond, but now we have a new guy, right? And it kind of kept. I think you know, I'm not surprised it was a hit because he's good as James Bond. He's good. He's different. I don't like him as much. And the older I get, the more affinity I have for the Connery Bond. Um, but I do. I, I like Roger Moore's James Bond. He's different, and I, I don't know. In a way, it kind of it, it made it's like a in in modern parlance they'd call it a reboot. A reboot, yep. Uh, and it was a weird reboot, though, 
because like now a true reboot is like what they did with the uh, Casino Royale. Yeah. Where actually they, start over remaking. Right. And yeah. actually even show and say, look, this is his first uh, first time he kills a guy on the job. Um, it's sort of a weird reboot, though, where, you know, they're not really saying that he never did those things. You know, that, you know, presumably he is the same guy who, uh, you know, killed Dr. No and beat Goldfinger. But, you know, he's a different, you know what I mean? It's like no, a weird- I do. It, it feels, and it, and there are so many things about it that felt different. And this really is ushering in a new era. It's now the 70s instead of the 60s, you know, and, and it's a different mindset, a different mentality, a different time period. And we, we've got different movies. But I'll tell you what, just as a, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get too ahead of things. But as far as, as far as this, this next week goes, Man with the Golden Gun, you, you, the whole thing changes up again. I think, don't you? Or has yeah. it been too long since you've seen it? I think it might be too long since I've only seen. I've only seen it once. <sighs> yeah, I'm not. It, that's that's the one that's got tattoo in it. Yeah. What about smoking cigars? Okay, first of all, I love that. And and yeah. for me, this was something I was going to ask you. Do you know if if cigar smoking was considered in vogue in the 70s? I certainly I know, know that it was in the 90s. Uh, I I think that it goes in some ways with his with the the reinvented bond and it also it it was something that the his choice of cigar by the way as a is essentially like a panatella or a churchill is what i've seen him smoking you know it very it very much suiting his character that's exactly what you would expect him i like to when sp- he was i like when he's smoking the one up he's up on the hang glider yeah smoking a he's cigar. got one up there love that um he's always throwing them away it looks like he only smokes them for like two three minutes and he chucks yeah. it yeah, it's a waste. It's probably Cuban. Uh, oh, of course, of course. Yeah, it's got to be Cuban. Yeah, best, only the best. You know, James Bond is sort of, sort of like what I espoused at the beginning of the show. Only the best. Yeah. Pick your vices. You know, don't, don't, don't get into everything. But if you're going to have a vice, buy the best. I uh, to be honest though, I, I just this movie was so bad. I feel like it's the worst. The worst There's Bond some movie stuff that around. I can't believe that they did. Like, why would they show a grown man sitting in a bathtub? Yeah, I don't like. It's there's things that you didn't like. This that had that's where the snake came in, right? That was right. just yeah. Why? What? It's just silly. And also, let me ask you this: this really, this what, really bugs just, me. You cannot look cool. A grown man cannot look cool <laughs> sitting in a bathtub. No, you really can't. There's nothing cool about being in a bathtub. Now, a grown woman, yes, right. But especially not the way he's doing it with his knees poking up out right. and he's, he's shaving in there like a goofball. I mean, it was so bad. It was right. like, why the, not show me? Why, I mean, that's like they're like half a step away from showing him taking a crap. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just, I mean, get a shower for God's sake. Yeah, Good it was t- It was really weird. Who came up? Who, why did he agree to that? Right. And what terrible. About some of the, God, what about I'm that? so glad you remembered that scene. It just sticks out. Terrible. It's like it's just I just can't imagine Sean Connery sitting in a bathtub. I just think he no. would have said no. no. I don't know. I, I, so let me about, let me ask you something before we get before we get to the next part. Have you, do you, I know you don't shave much because you kind of have like a scruffy beard thing that you do. But would you shave your beard in a bathtub? No. That seems to like first of all, baths are bad enough that you're sort of soaking in your own filth anyway. That's kind of gross. But do you want to use that water to shave your face with and then you've got the beard in the bath with you? It's, it's oh my gosh. I I almost had to stop the movie at that point. Right. Really tough to get through now, that. Now shaving scene. in the shower is different because then it washes it's right gone. down the drain. Right? Gone. Right. No problem. Yeah. Who cares? Shaving the shower you want. It's gone right down the drain. Gone. You're not soaking in it. Yeah. Ugh. Sorry, I cut you off there. What was it? No, that's right. But then what about the outfit he wears the next day? Oh, so bad. He's got like a blue oh, like jumpsuit. I don't worst. know what you want to call it. A like, track suit? Like a leisure suit? Maybe that's a leisure suit? Kind of. Oh, man, the 70s are rough. Really I mean, bad. there's just no way. There's just no way that's ever coming back. I think... Like, the, I know that there were there was a time, maybe like... By the late '80s and certainly the '90s, you know, in the '90s, like like when uh, every remember like men's men's and women's suits had big shoulder pads yeah, in yeah. the in the 
jackets. And, and at that point, the, I think we were the furthest away from like the 60s styles, you know, modern, you know, the, mo- the modern, you know, early 60s styles of clothing and hair and uh, stuff like that that yeah. we've been since. And that stuff has since come back. Like you could go, you could go and like take a picture of Sean Connery for, and wearing a suit. In 1963, take that to your tailor, and he'd be like, "You have, you know, you have excellent taste. Mm-hmm. You know, you could buy that suit, get it cut the same way, and look look great today. Yeah. Like that stuff's really come back." I remember though, as a kid, though, thinking that some of those 60s Bond movies really looked old fashioned. Uh, but it never looked silly. It looked old, never looked silly. Whereas yeah. some of the stuff Roger Moore wears, my God, I mean, a man, it looks like a clown. And then, and then he's sitting on the boat wearing a wife beater. Yeah. I mean, it's just so weird. It was so weird. That's right. Why, why was he wearing a wife beater? Like, who thought that? I mean, it's just so much uh, with the boat in there. I was just so bored of it. I was so over it. Like, was, it's, cha- was a boat chasing? Maybe it was a big novelty or something back I don't then. Know. But for, for me, it was just, it was so boring. And they kept, like, I get no, it. No, you like, know, I do think that that was a big deal. And I, I remember, I actually remember this. as a, This is a stat I remember from, like, being 10 when I read the Guinness Book of World Records, that that was the longest boat jump that actually set like a Guinness Book of World Records. That's the stunt that they show mm. was a world record breaking boat jump. So I, I kind of forgive him for that. I actually think that by 1972 standard, that chase was actually pretty spectacular. They just kept going up on the, on the, across the land and like I get that you do that once and it's like, oh, that was a neat trick. And then like the fifth time that they go over the land and then you've got the, you've got the, the, Newlyweds standing there at their wedding, and the lady starts crying because they bust through the cake or whatever. I mean, it, you know, like like it seemed so contrived. It's a poorly art directed movie. Too. Bad. What's his name was not there. Uh, oh Christ, I forgot his name. The guy who did those great, great scenes. You know, this and he did Strange Love. Uh, oh yeah, your guy. Yeah, my the guy, guy who makes all the scenes good. Yeah. Uh, what was his name? Doctor No, art director. Terrible though. What did you think? What did you think of the alligator scene? Uh, you or know. did you not watch that far? No, it's it's. I I, I know it because it, and I think that they made. Uh, I think it was like the inspiration for. Uh, in hindsight, don't you think it was maybe the inspiration for Pitfall? <laughs> maybe. Think about it. But that was apparently the guy. I read that that the guy. Ken Adam. Ken Adam is the producer. Oh, Ken Adam, right. Now he's now, He was not involved with this movie. So think, okay. and just think about the opening of the movie in the UN, right? When the, when the, the guy gets uh, uh, killed by uh, the earpiece sound. Uh, that UN building totally looked terrible. Just, uh, it looked like yeah. somebody spent two, two hours on a Hollywood set and right. said, all right, we'll make it look like a UN room. Absolutely no, no uh, class. Well, if you remember, if a couple movies back, we learned that a scorpion sting is instant death. Right. In this movie, we learned that a snake bite is also instant death. Right. Because you the know, guy that was the poorly directed. That snake bite so horrible. clearly did not bite that guy. No, it didn't bite the guy at all. The cut was terrible, and he's instantly dead. And he's instantly dead. And what did you think of the the goofy android uh, of uh, the Seven Up guy that comes up, and they they he keeps shooting it, and it's yeah. the head blows off, and then the real one pops out and he's like, oh, this again. And it's really him. And, and then yes. he goes into the snakes. He goes into the, the coffin with the snakes in it. And I guess be, like you're supposed to assume that, that he's that killed him. Yeah. But then he's on the train sitting in the front of the train laughing. Yeah. What did that just, mean? Was it, or was, it, was it supposed to be he's, he's still around and he's, right. he's alive or was he a ghost or was he? Right. Is he really, is, is he really, is he really the, uh, is he really well, the, Whatever yeah. he was supposed to be, the, the voodoo guy the who cannot voodoo. be killed. Yeah, right? and it seemed it seemed to me like he had a lot of the same powers that Solitaire had. Like he could do stuff with tarot cards. Remember, because remember when he's sitting there with Mister Big with Kanaga, and he's he's like pulling up the card that's the right one to pull up at the time, and he's like lighting him on fire, and it and that's pissing off Kanaga, but he doesn't do anything about it. Like the implication was almost like. The Seven Up guy was maybe like he wasn't he wasn't maybe directly working for him, you know, like he was working for him, but it was more like because it was convenient for him. I I don't know, I really don't. I don't. It just falls apart. It's just poorly written. 
I just sent you some improved links for the uh, ah, Wayback. It looks like the Wayback machine has an, a new improved interface here. Really, it's much like faster. It. The other one yeah, actually never even loaded. Yeah, way faster. Novel statistics and films. I'm going to link the film statistics one first. And right, and because then. we are doing the films. Not yeah. The, so this is this is the total. We'll just run through a few of these, and this is a surprise. You, would you? Well, let me ask you this. Well, maybe the an exercise for the listener. What what would you guess was the number one drink ordered by James Bond? The ordered the most, and in the films. In no, the I films. don't know. I haven't looked at that link yet. Okay, so so say, don't look at it. What would you What would you tell me? I'm gonna I'm gonna say champagne. Correct. How many? I, I wouldn't have guessed. I don't know. Thirty five. Wow. You're staring at the thing. No, I am. Oh, no, you're I not cheated. Guessed. I cheated. Oh, okay. Now I did All look. All right. So champagne, and second is a vodka martini. All right. And then it goes to red wine, straight vodka, and, and then you're in single digits. Right. And I, I, if I had, to, if I had been told to guess that, I would have guessed a, a martini. Now, this here's the interesting. interesting thing. Let me, well, let me tell you one thing about the martini. Don't, don't forget that thought. The martini, the vodka martini in particular, vodka didn't gain popularity until the mid to late sixties, if I'm remembering right. And it was seen as being very, very trendy. The fact that it was a vodka martini right. was v- considered very trendy because for so long it had always been gin and gin was, gin was the traditional cocktail. And the fact that he was ordering it, a vodka martini, the people that I know, and when, when I used to, when I used to drink, I was always, always gin martinis. I'd have, you know, that was, that was my drink really dry. And, that that was definitively like that's the traditional thing and and really whenever dry it, I mean like with a little bit of uh, just a little vermouth. just a little I and find if I find if you tell people really dry that a lot of times they don't put any in at all no you gotta have some I know it's a sin it's a sin not to it is well the, I wanted a glass of chilled chilled uh, chilled vodka I would just say give me thing. iced vodka. <laughs> But that's the thing is, is that it, when they switched it up and that vodka was very trendy, but now like the purists, the people who are like, oh, no, no the only true uh, martini is a gin martini. I mean, that's it. Well, right. now it, it, you have to think back at that time period. Vodka was like he was like very cutting edge then to, to order it that way. But I would have guessed the martini would have been number one, not the champagne. Yeah. You know, it's a shame that this site went off the air. We got to re- bring it back. Who did this? I don't know, because I guess he's not. I, I wonder which is the last. Uh... Now these are only the EON films. No, no, and never say never again. Ah, okay. They've counts got... never say never again does not count uh, Casino Royale. The, ah. the Casino Royale. Right. I think that's fair. I think it's only right. I think because Sean Connery was in it, it counts. Okay. I'm actually looking forward to to the next couple weeks. We got to mention something that concerns me though about this Bond on Netflix. What's that? Apparently, they're not available indefinitely. Hmm. They're they are going they're going to be uh, only for a time a limited time available. And if you go there to one of the one of the sites, you know, to to the Netflix site rather, one of the one of the movies, it'll say available until. And now it's already down to like seventy something days. So well, we'll get there. We have enough time. Yeah, I think we have enough time. But we, we can't. We can't skip any weeks. Yeah, no more skipping weeks. Might Here's what I don't understand lot. on this list from the movies: is it says that he ordered three Vesper martinis. Now I know that that's uh, Casino Royale with uh, Daniel Craig. I think he had two, but I don't know where the third one comes from. The Vesper is one that that uh, Ian Fleming made up. Right. It's one part. Vodka, one part gin. No, no, no. no. How does it work? I've, I have dedicated myself to perfect, perfecting the Vesper Martini. What is it? Tell me what, how does it work. Three parts gin, one part vodka, half a part um, Lille Blanc. Or Kina, no, Kina, Kina Lille. And that's, that's like, uh, uh, well, I'll get to that in a second. Kina Lille. It's a French aperitif. Made from wine, so it's it's it it plays the role of vermouth in the drink. Okay, um, so three parts gin, one part vodka, half a part Kina Lille. Shake it ice cold. Serve it with a uh, a big uh, big lemon twist. Um, now here's the thing, though, Kina Lille isn't made anymore. It, it went out of production at some point in the early '80s, so you can't you can't can't get it anymore. 
there is something called Lille Blanc, which I think is from the same company, but it's apparently it's it's a, a, a same basic thing, but has a, apparently has a different different flavor. And uh, what people say is that it's it's not it's not as bitter. So some people suggest uh, putting a dash or two of bitters into the drink. I've tried that; it's horrible, it ruins it. It makes the whole thing taste like bitters. All you, you you spend all this time, you have all this beautiful gin and vodka in the drink, and you, even just one dash of Angostura bitters, and and the whole thing just tastes like bitters. Mm. So, uh, what my pal Jeff Barnes and I have done is is we've uh, well, I don't want to get into it. I'll, I'll tell you some other time. All right, private stuff. But we made our own. We made our own uh, our own solution. Oh, quinine, wow. quinine powder. No, it's truth. And, and do you order do is, that when you go out? Is that something you don't? No, make I, well, I, I've, I have occasionally. I do make them myself, though. They're excellent. But you got You got to realize that uh, Ian Fleming uh, wrote this in the 1950s, and in the 1950s, gin um, was primarily um, around like 94 proof, whereas most gin you buy today is only 80 proof. Mm. So it tastes better if you get if you get a gin that's that's, uh, that's a little stronger, like a Tanqueray Ten is is ninety four proof. Important, Curious, what other movie stuff. he got that in? Vesper Martini Three. It says. We also yeah. don't know when this thing was written. Well, it does. He it says copyright Daniel. original material two thousand one by the Minister of Martinis. He says. So we don't know when he wrote this. The only one, it stops at Casino Royale, Daniel Craig's Casino Royale. So it doesn't conclude, uh, what was the, the next one? I actually have not seen that one. I saw the Casino Royale, but I didn't see the Quantum of Solace. Quantum of Solace. Which is another one of those movies where we're going to start getting into those soon, where they're either short stories or they just borrow a title from a book or they have nothing to do with an actual Ian Fleming novel. Right. They're completely original and mm. we're getting there soon. This is good. Daniel Craig actually set the record, new record, 12 drinks in Casino Royale. Three Vesper Martinis, three champagnes, three vodka, no, two vodka martinis, two whiskeys, one wine, one undetermined. 12 drinks in the movie. You think that was intentional? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I Went think to so. make a statement. I like the scene, I like the scene in uh, Living Let Die where he goes into the, the Filet of Soul in Harlem and, they, <laughs> and he orders the, the bourbon yeah. and water. Yeah. And a guy comes over with it. He takes his money, and then flips the switch. Yeah. and he still he took his money and uh, drank his drink. Yeah, kind of. I think that kind of sucks, though, for Bond, though. You know, like well, and he just spins around. And he's in the secret headquarters. I'm thinking, why would you have your secret headquarters so close? Like literally, just one little balsa wood wall away. And, and you know, he's in the club. Bond's in the club. And there's people and they're drinking, smoking, hooting and hollering, making noise. It's a Friday, you know. And then in, it's completely silent in the uh, in the thing, which is just one spinning wall away. And like nobody who's in the club notices that the wall's spinning around. And now the white dudes. Gone. Well, they're all in on it, though. Yeah. See that it's you know every single all in it. every one of them's in. On every it. single black person in New York City is is a, <laughs> is is on the take of Mr. Big. <laughs> See, I guess it is a little racist. I think yeah. that because I, th I think it doesn't just. Impl yeah, I do think so. Okay, you know what? It, I I'm can't go, believe I'm gonna, I can't believe you turned a corner here. You know what? I do because I, I, I couldn't put my finger on what it is. And you know what it is? I'll tell you what it is. That's racist. What's racist about it is the the film implies that black people are natural criminals. That the, the and that <laughs> that they're just as a people that they're that they're. Of criminal bent. Oh, and not just that. What was what was uh, Kanaga's uh, plan? What's his plan? What's he want to do? What's, I didn't get that far. What was his plan? Heroin. He wants to basically give oh. away heroin for free. Right, right. To get all of the people addicted. So right. not only are in in this movie, not only are all of the these uh, these people in on it, but they're ready to be drug addicted at any minute. That's what his plan is: is to give them all, right, right. give them all it, it, drugs. Because you know what, and, and and there's a couple of scenes where it's like that. Is the the scene in New Orleans at the opening where uh, uh, all of just this, this, just the black citizenry uh, are participating in a sham funeral to kill the guy? Right, right. Whose funeral is it? Yours. Yeah, but everybody who's dancing is in. Yeah, on everybody. It, you know? Right, and then in New, in Harlem, 
every single shoe shine guy, every cab driver, they all report to Mr. Big. And then anybody who's in there having a drink on, on a Wednesday afternoon, right? Don't think twice about seeing a, a white guy just. Yeah, but keep in yeah. mind, and then chat room is pointing this out. He was going to be giving the drugs to anybody, anybody who wanted them. Why? That's black, what's, that's what's racist about it. I don't think the what's see, and this is what I, what I don't think was racist was the way they dressed or talked. I think that was just nineteen seventy two. Correct. Oh, no, totally agree with that. Right. It it it's dated to our eyes, but it's not racist. What's racist is is the the criminal inclination. Why so much? Uh, here's something we forgot. I wanted to bring this up in an earlier movie. We talked about it a little bit in a couple movies back when we were talking about the overdubbing of, of the, the uh, Bond girl voices. It seemed like there was a lot of overdubbing in this movie, too. Yeah, that's because that, that, uh, Guy Hamilton's a bad director. Yeah, that's overdubbing, unless it's done really, really, really well. And like, obviously, if they're in an action scene where they're like dangling from a helicopter over a waterfall, they're probably going to overdub it. Fine. But... Like when they're sitting in a cab, you think they could mic them up so that they don't have to have the whole thing overdubbed. Mm. And then you've got the guy, the cab driver, talking and moving in his mouth when there's no sound coming out for a while. It's very disappointing. Expected more. And it's not like you can look at 1973 movies and there's no good movies. There are plenty of good movies in, in, in that time period. They weren't all like this. Yeah. They didn't all have to be like this. You know? You know? You know what I will say about Roger Moore, too? I will say this. I think that I can. They let him play it for. He played the. He did seven movies, and he started in 1972. He was he was older. He's older than Sean Connery, right? So they didn't go to a younger guy. And he was all, so even in his first movie, he was already I, I think in his 40s. Um, I think he was ahead of his time. He sort of feels like a guy of the 80s, even in the 70s. Interesting. There's something 80s about him. I don't know. You know, and like the champagne and stuff like that. It just seems. And I can sort of see why they let him go into the 80s because mm. he, he seemed like he was always meant for the 80s. I don't know. I'm looking at his uh, drinking page here on this site. The site's great. During, was, his, during his seven films, more averages one drink every 30.4 minutes, the lowest ratio of any 007 actor. <laughs> He's the only one who's ever had Uzo. You ever have Uzo? Yeah, I haven't had it. Wow, that's, that stuff will Weird mess stuff. up. Do you have yeah. it with the coffee bean in it? No, you gotta have it with the coffee bean. Amy, Amy's uh, dad's side of the family is Greek. They Man, don't. They don't put the coffee bean. No, no, it's just straight ouzo. What the hell do they say? Something that Greek people say when they drink the ouzo. Opa, opa. Yeah, how did I forget that? Well, I forgot it. How did you forget? Uzo. Because uh -huh. of the ouzo. <laughs> do they do the thing where they stand on dance, do a little jig on top of the the glass, on top of the yeah. ouzo glass? Yeah, shoot it and then do the little, little dance. Did they ever get you to do the dance? Love to uh, see that. Timothy Dalton, Bollinger Man. You know, uh, in seven movies, Roger Moore only had three martinis. I'll tell you what I like about Roger Moore is that he. Ne it didn't seem like he was trying to act. Like he didn't care about being macho. He'd he would take a bath, no problem. You know, he'd order champagne, which is is not the most what you think of as the most macho drink in the world. You know what right. I'm saying? He, right. he was more focused on, although I think the definition of this has probably changed since 1973, he was more focused on, at least in his estimation, being sort of classy. He was a little bit classier in for his time, I think. You can just tell that by like the, the, the clothing changed and things like that. He's wearing more... Like like double breasted suits come in now. I don't find I don't I, I would always prefer a single breasted suit or or, or a three piece over a double breasted. I would. But never I think wear see again now. I think he was ahead of his time. I think that yeah. double breasted suits were very. That was 80s. the very eighties. Oh. Yeah, but I just I I think you know especially and the way he had the tie, uh, he wouldn't have the tie sort of flat. He'd have the tie sort of pop, popping out. You know, like a little forward. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, a little more garish perhaps. Yeah. Did he wear pocket squares? Did he have a pocket square? Yeah, I don't know. He looked good. The suit that he came over to the U.S. Yeah, that way he looked good. The rest of them, garbage, I thought. Yeah. Very 70s. Yeah, looked good. Well, next week, we've got, uh, we've got the, next, uh, the next movie, which is A Man with the Golden Gun. Yeah, this, this site is great.
we're going to have that in the in the show notes for Netflix and the iTunes the link for it. But The Man with the Golden Gun, very, very, I consider it to be a transitional movie for Roger Moore and for James Bond movies as a whole because it re, it's we'll talk about this more next week but there's a lot that happens and i i feel like it's the first even though it's by no means a modern film it feels to me like the first modern bond film that i've seen in in since we started watching this it's really? not totally modern it's not totally modern but there are elements and we can talk about this next week that feel more up to date for me. And I read something about Roger Moore that said he he said he only the only Bond film he didn't think was good or the only one I guess he regretted was a view to a kill. Hmm. He didn't like that one apparently. Yeah, that was really bad. Really bad. But then you've got the Lotus uh coming up soon. Yeah. Not next week, the week this after. This is great. This is great. We're you getting like this side, huh? I love this side. Look at that. Connery's now this is see, this is what you think though. This is see where I think we're so infused by Connery. Connery by far and away uh, the vodka martini. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think of, 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 uh, I mean, we know how you feel about last and boot. Do you feel that Roger, cause Roger Moore, I was very, ex- really expecting not to like him as bond, but I, if you get into, if you let yourself go, you can get into him as bond. You really can. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I can just go along with that. I can't wait. I can't wait for us to get to, uh, uh, the, the next couple movies, especially when he gets into skiing, and you get you get the whole skiing thing. Good stuff coming. Too much skiing. Yeah, I hate the skiing, but there's some goddamn fun. skiing. Yeah, skiing and underwater scuba stuff. Christ. All right, but that's it for the show. We're done. Yeah, long show. We yeah. had to catch up because last week's was kind of up and down. Yeah. So thanks to. Uh, to freshbooks.com. Please do visit them. Try them out. Get your cake. Send some invoices. Get a cake. And uh, Chimp Kit over at MailChimp.com. Thanks to them for sponsoring. Thanks, John. And uh, we will be back next week, regular time. 2, right. 2 p.m. Ish. Ish. On Wednesday, Eastern time. Have a good week. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs>